You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. With me today is Damian Clayton Bull. He comes highly recommended to me through another digital transformation specialist. And I love how we're all pulling together and really saying, look, we all have a different piece of this knowledge. We have a different perspective. If we could get together and collaborate in a meaningful way, we could give people better information, maybe clear the smoke and really help people understand what do they need to do or how should they be thinking about business? So Damien, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Damien is at a consultancy. He is the principal management consultant over at Arcadis. And he's going to talk with you about a really interesting, different piece of digital transformation than what I do. And it's so interesting to me because he's really taking a look at some of the digital transformation going into maybe newer areas, areas that people thought might be um, free for <laughs> digital transfer. Like, oh, we're not going to, we're not going to digitally transform this business. Guess what? It's all going this way. It's not only the future of work, it's the current, it's the present of work. And for many organizations, for many uh, industries, it's the past of work. It's already, you know, if, if people haven't begun digital transformation, they're already behind. So Damien, tell us a little bit about Arcadis, what you do there, and then we'll dive into some different uh, perspectives and probably some, some tips and some help with some mindset shift about digital transformation. Yeah, sure. So I sit in the management consultancy uh, part of uh, called Business Transformation within Arcadis in the UK. And I work within the digital transformation team and I head up the innovation and futures capability. Um, how we help our clients with digital transformation, I think we very much take a business-led approach and we look at the problems that our clients have and we look at the potential benefits that they could uh, gain. And then we look at digital and how that might enable and accelerate and, and improve and, and bring them a solution to some of those challenges. I think equally at the same time, sometimes our clients are unaware of what the art of the possible is. And in those situations, we present back to them what benefits other people have managed to, uh, to achieve through the use of digital and, and help them understand how, how they may adopt some of those solutions and technologies to, to improve their own business. We work very much uh, in uh, heavy industry and national, uh, critical national infrastructure. We work with government. We also work with commercial clients. One of the common things that we do have is a blend of people that sit in traditional office spaces 
and people that work in non-office spaces. And uh, a very interesting uh, subject to me is, is how people in non-traditional office spaces use digital, embrace digital and, and see benefits from digital. And I think that that's a real emerging market at the moment, especially around smart buildings uh, and in production and in construction sites. You know, how is digital making an impact in those areas? Oh, I love it. Okay, so we're talking about a lot of industries we have not cracked yet into in this particular podcast. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of uh, of out of office, <laughs> right? So the word office now, I know I'm using these uh, physical hand uh, air quotes, right? Office is changing, right? And so when you're having people and organizations and industry leaders come to you, Tell me a little bit about how that conversation sounds different when they don't have really an office to speak of, but they're actually out in the, the you know, in, in the greater world doing business outside of that very traditional structure. I think the conversation normally starts with everyone's heard about digital and they know it can be of great benefit to them. But where do I start? I, I, I spoke to a client a few weeks ago who said that digitized services had appeared as an objective in, in his sort of annual appraisal and he didn't really know what it meant and he'd asked his boss who didn't really know what it meant and so he's coming to us and saying what does it mean uh, and, and these are people that are operating in 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 spaces outside non-traditional or as i call them carpeted areas i think how it normally starts is people have heard of iot um, they've heard of sensors they've heard of automation they've heard of tracking uh, potentially, they've seen competitors uh, using and, and exploiting the technology, or uh, they're seeing their supply chain uh, take advantage of it with, with, with other businesses. And really, they're, they're looking at what does it mean to us? How do we embrace it? Um, what does it mean in terms of us being able to digitize and improve those services? But equally, how do we then plug that in to our, to our sort of back office and, and, to, and to our traditional areas where, where digital and where technology has been more, more established for a longer period of time? How, mm-hmm. how do we make the whole thing work? That's that's generally the start of those conversations. Yeah. So how do you take such a large conversation like that where people really get vulnerable and they admit that they've heard this a lot, but what are we supposed to do? You know, they they can imagine probably two or three benefits, but they really, it's like working with someone who doesn't know how to ask you what they should be asking you. So as a consultancy, how do you start asking some of these probing questions? And what are some of those probing questions to help you understand where is their pain? What kind of conversation should you be having? What does that sound like? Over the past two years, we've, we've been developing a process that we now call accelerated understanding, um, a way to help us engage with a client and talk in a language that they understand to, to, to sort of baseline what their, their problems are or what their potential benefits could be quantify it and and then look at the effectiveness of a solution and and what the return on investment would be for them. We also take a design thinking and very human centric approach to it. Um, So in very simple terms, uh, we we will start with an example, we'll start with a process or we'll start with an area of their business and we will look at the people involved and we'll workshop with them or do focused interviews with them. And we we, we have those conversations in a very unstructured way, but we capture the output in a structured way. So I say, walk me through your, your, the steps you take to achieve your goals and tell me where you hit problems. We then take the problems and we quantify them. Is that impacting their ability to scale and, and, and during revenue? Is it efficiency? Is it compliance? Is it risk? Is it user experience? We then take all of those problems and start to look for the patterns. 
which sort of direction of technology is going to offer them the best and the most effective result? Is it that they're suffering from efficiency? Is it that they're suffering from a lack of scalability? Is it they're carrying too risk? And really look to apply a solution as quickly as possible to demonstrate what the value could be to them and do that in a way that, that can really show them how quickly, how easily it can be to adopt and use that as a landing point to then start expanding out and, and changing mindsets and, and starting to allow them to, um, to, to, to take advantage of the full plethora of, of, of solutions that are out there in the market. Yeah, so you said a lot of interesting things there I want to unpack. First of all, let's start with design thinking. So um, tell me a little bit more, you know, when you say that word and you know what you mean, but I have to tell you, this is one of the things that I dislike about business so much is that we do have a lot of jargon and um, you've been so gracious to come on this podcast and help me. Both of us, let's, we know what we're doing. Let's leave behind our egos. Let's actually unpack this a little bit more. So when you say design thinking, I think some people all of a sudden go, um, yeah, I don't even know what that means. And again, now I might be embarrassed to ask somebody. And, um, you know, for me and my company, we serve the market research industry so heavily. So UX and CX and design thinking and ethnographies and very open-ended focus groups or, you know, or highly curated quality, quantitative surveys could be going on. But all those things are just like this jumble of oh my gosh, we don't really know what this is. So let's just take that one that you said, design thinking, break that down and help people understand um, what you mean by that um, for your client and how they can start shifting the way they're looking at their problem. Sure. So yeah, yeah, design thinking. Well, it's about people. That's the whole point. Focus on people. The biggest benefits and and the, the, the biggest the biggest lever turn in, in any kind of environment is where you improve the lives of people because that they have the biggest effect on efficiency and, and all culture and all of the parts of the business. So the, the principle of design thinking is you take a human centric lens to the problem. So you actually sit down with the real people that are actually doing the work or, or, or the consumer or the customer that's engaging with the service and say to them what's working and what isn't and truly try and understand those people, not only what they say, but what they're thinking and what they're doing and how they're acting, and, and really flesh out a persona uh, about the people that are, are at the heart of, of whatever the, the, the problem is. Then taking those problems and, and really detailing them and understanding what they are before quickly moving on to what uh, a, an idea of a solution could be, and then evaluating how effective it is to fix the problem that that, that individual is actually suffering. And taking that approach, uh, I see this time and time again, that uh, management or people involved in, 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 the, in the, the process or, or the subject of the study have no awareness of, of some of the pains and some of the headaches that these people are suffering at, at various levels and right across their business or their supply chain. They just they really don't understand them or have visibility of them. Mm-hmm. Typically, when we look at problems, I see a tenfold increase in the number of problems we identify as a result of, of following, following this process. I mean, a, a typical one that I, I delivered last year, there were three pretty hefty problems that could d- deliver a good result. By the time we'd finished four weeks of, of interviews and workshops, we'd uncovered covered 85 problems. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all this did was it added weight to the investment case. Uh, it, it just uncovered a, a whole load of uh, additional benefits that the, uh, the, the client could, could sort of uh, realize. Yeah, so it's uh, fundamentally, it's, it's about human beings. It's about understanding the people and understanding what's a problem to them, why they might not do something 
you know, why something's causing them a delay in, in, in reaching their goal and fixing that problem at, at source. Right. So there has to be a willingness at the beginning to not just throw technology at a problem and Absolutely. say, we need efficiency. What other, what software do you need? What, <laughs> what, what other resources do you need? Like, it, you know, it has to be a movement away from that knee-jerk reaction from the leadership, first of all. Um, but then this discovery and this un- uh, uncovering of really the problems, this to me is the juicy bit of what you do. So I want to talk about that a little bit because you alluded or, a little bit earlier to there are issues or problems with efficiency. But in my experience with digital transformation and what I'm hearing from you in this approach or methodology that is very design thinking and human centric, and, and it is very much a just applying really almost a natural curiosity to the problem. Um, But in that, very specifically, people will identify for you as a consultancy, here are the problems. This is where our system is getting bottlenecked. But let's talk a little bit about something I I have, and I guarantee you're going to agree with me on this, but I'd like to hear about it from your perspective How does it go when you start looking at a problem or not even a problem? You're looking at a a flow of work. Here's the job to be done. You know, this is our process. And you have people in front of you who can actually tell you and, and articulate their pains, but they also can't articulate where they don't see pain, where they have just been debilitated by the lack of digital transformation. So I know that may be that that was a, a, you know, like a crazy way to put it, but just to be very clear, you and I both work with people who they're like, Oh, it works fine. (laughs) And we go, okay, now why do we do this here? Like what? Okay. That seems redundant to me. Oh yeah. I do that twice. It's fine because I have to go do it on this system. Then I go walk over this system. Then I go do it on this system or I'm not in the office. And so then I have to do this in the office. And then when I sync up my computers, this matches. And I'm, like, there's, I hear these problems that are real life problems all the time. And the people I'm trying to serve don't even see it as a problem. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why would you want to do that two, three, four times? And then multiply that by the 18 people on your team. All 18 of you are doing that one piece five times. This is ridiculously inefficient. So let's get really specific. Tell me about kind of a a real life problem like that or that kind of experience that you have where you're walking the real people who are doing the work through it and all of a sudden everything is being discovered. Sure. And it it comes back to that push-pull as well. It's that you can um, have a client, you can pull information from someone that you're interviewing about a problem but equally the push is the understanding of digital and as you say that they're not seeing where the problem is whereas in actual fact you you, you can see that there's, there's there's a solution waiting to happen there that they're not even aware that that's a problem I, I play with technology I'm someone that they're not in my professional life I don't develop technology solutions I help people to to, to, to benefit from them or understand what they need but at home uh, I've got home automation I like to play around with that um, and I don't think I realized how much of a pain turning lights on and off uh, turning the TV on and off and, and just operating things in my own, my own home. Um, now that it's automated, I, I don't think about it. Whereas previously, I, I did spend the time before I went to bed at night turning off 25 plugs. Um, so you, you start to see some of that, some of that benefit and, and putting it across. I think when we, when we speak to these people and when we interview, and I, I have a, a very strong opinion on how we structure interviews and how we engage with our, with our clients and with the people that we're trying to seek this in, insight from. Um, you need to have the person doing the talking needs to understand digital and equally needs to understand their business. 
So one thing that we do uh, undertake is to, is to do research, is to understand the, the space they work in. And that person will be from the digital transformation team. They will have an understanding of the art of the possible uh, of technology. And we don't structure the interviews. So it's not a questionnaire. We, we let the conversation flow. We let them talk in a language that, that, that's comfortable to them. Um, and we do talk through every step. I don't just want to hear the problems. I want to understand exactly what happens along the way. There'll often be then pushes and pulls. So, so we'll ask questions about something they don't think is a problem, but potentially through our knowledge of their business and, and through understanding of, uh, of technology, we can, we can ask more questions about certain points. I think one of the, the, the standout ones for me um, earlier this year, we we're looking at smart technology around warehousing um, and talking to senior management. And I posed the question as to whether there was any concern of disruptors entering their marketplace. Are you concerned about someone coming in with digital smart solutions, overlaying them on, on the services you offer and stealing a revenue stream from them? And almost every interview with the senior management team and directors started with no. And then as we explored and started saying, well, I don't understand why someone couldn't do that. And, and I think someone would do that. That's something that's attractive. And at the end of, the, uh, of that uh, investigation, at the end of all, all of the interviews and, and bringing all the data together, that was what stood out. That, that was the biggest driver for them to, to, to go on the journey and, and, and bring digital into their environment more. Hadn't been considered before, but it, it's something mm -hmm. once their eyes were open to it, 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 was, it was the biggest, biggest driver for investment for them. Yeah, I love that. As a trained cultural anthropologist myself, I do love me some serious qualitative uh, research and some qualitative um, uh, grounded research, meaning non-directed, you know, ethnography. What, what, tell me about your world. But you're taking this a step, you know, further and saying, but we are really well trained within this particular industry. And so we know what the potential pitfalls are. And without just pointing them out or barking this at our, our, our client, we're going to ask around that and, and help understand how some of these real concerns that they should have, what they really mean to them, as opposed to just coming and saying, look, we know a solution. Again, that mindset of let's not just throw technology or throw solutions at things. Let's really look at the whole process and, and, and holistically fix what's going on. Is, is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. And while you were talking there, it just came to mind uh, another uh, project that I delivered a few months ago for a very large organization. And it was looking at a very prestigious site that they were looking to develop and, and looking at where digital can add value. And the, the first initial meetings were lots of buzzword technologies being thrown across. It was all about the vertical transportation system. It was about occupancy censoring. It was all about footfall sensors and um, facial recognition. And my question back was, why? Why? <laughs> I'm not really saying you simple. can't have it. But yeah, you need, we need to understand how desirable these things are for you. And we need to understand how feasible they are for you. And only then we can tell you whether it's a viable thing for you to do. And it was interesting. Lots of buzzwords, lots of tech. We want this to be a really cool place, but we have to come back to start with. But why? What, what problem are we solving? How much better are we making people's lives as a result of what we'll do? Only by doing that can we understand the benefit and the impact on, on the people that will use the space and then we can understand how it will benefit the business, it will benefit the individual. And only then will they adopt and use that technology. There's no, there's no point just throwing in technology because everyone else has got it without understanding what it means to you and what it means to the people that, that you're providing this facility for. Right. I like to look at this last 10 years and, and, and hold the banner up the rise of the human. I really want this to be at the middle of every conversation, you know, that we have in business, 
whether it's revenue, um, whether it's employee engagement, whether it's serving, you know, the community, um, or whether it's having a sustainable footprint. Well, I don't care what the conversation is. I want the rise of the human there. And it it is about saying, you know, whether it's uh, facial recognition, eye tracking, footfall, all this kind of stuff that gets, you know, bandied about, you know, thinking about who is going to occupy this space and how are they going to occupy it? And will this make it this better for a security guard, for an employee, for, um, you know, for the actual consumer walking in and out? And I think this is the big mindset shift that you're talking about. It's about not saying, look, I'm coming and I'm showing up to my job as the CEO or the COO or the supply chain manager or, you know, the retail development um, uh, supervisor. It's about saying, what would I like as a human in their acting with the space, with the supply chain, with this work order, with <laughs> whatever it is? And how can we figure out how to make this, yes, efficient for revenue, but also an enjoyable job or place to actually shop, be, work, whatever it, it is. So this rise of the human to me is, is really very big. Let me ask you one tougher question, though, as we as we wrap up, and I, I hope I don't really, you know, throw you under the bus with this. But here is the rise of the human, right? And I I do know that you and I, from who we've been referred to, um, to each other, that we're in alignment about this. That it is about how people matter, how what kind of a footprint we leave behind um, our, ourselves, our companies, our processes. But you also work very heavily in uh, data analytics and saying, we're not just making a feel-good approach to this. We are coming at this with a serious, very grounded methodology about how to implement digital transformation. And we can eventually prove why this is good based on whatever goals the clients put together. So tell me how you blend that very empathetic, human-centric approach with a need for data analytics that really um, help us understand what's going on. This is a very interesting subject. Drivers to make decisions and and change things in business. And I think that this this is linked to another thing I feel quite passionate about. It used to be about money, basically. It was about money and efficiency. And, And software and technology was a great way to enforce process, streamline, automate, and make things more efficient and more scalable. And the way that we judge things was about the, 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 the pounds or the dollars. How, how much is that going to improve what we do? Over the past three, four years, I've seen a significant shift in, in what's important to a business. And, and what's important isn't just money now. It's the ability to grow. It's their sustainability. It's about how they manage their risk. It's about being compliant. But one of the big ones is about user experience and how they can uh, attract and retain talent, uh, how they can work with other organizations that are aligned to their same strategic thinking. Here at Arcadis, that's very important to us, that the, the clients we choose to work with, uh, we, we need to feel there's that alignment and we're, we're heading in the same direction on the same journey. So that has changed significantly and, and, and capturing the potential benefits or the impact to those measures is important. Uh, driving a change or bringing in digital can be just as linked to, to an experience for the employees or, or for their customers as it can for the amount of money that can be made or how efficient it can be made. In parallel to that, I think what's what's really moved digital forward and made a lot of changes is digital is not about enforcing or forcing people down a path of, of, of following a process and, and being efficient. It's about providing choice. And choice, especially in the last two years, has become very important to people. And I think 
digital is one of the best tools that can be deployed to provide the human being choice in what they do and how they do it. It's no longer forcing them down a path, it's providing options to those people. It's providing the ability to virtually engage rather than having to physically travel. It's providing the ability to choose uh, to, to reduce their carbon footprint as a result of being able to maybe work virtually. Um, it, it, it's a choice of um, being able to, the way that they consume information, whether it's through video or audio, whether it's through text, and, and the more digital tools and, and the more digital options we give people, the more choice we give people. And digital goes on its journey from being something that just forces people to do things a certain way to providing choice, but, but equally providing the ability to, to say, reach the same goals, but, but using the preferred method that, that they wish to take. And mm -hmm. that's very important. Um, we recently uh, uh, redesigned our, our HQ in London. And I was involved in the requirements capture for, for developing all the smart technology and AV technology in that space. And, and we started with a whole bunch of personas about the people. And back to some of your points, it's not just about generally the people that are using the office. It's about the facilities management. It's about the, the security team. It's about the cleaners. It's about all the people that make that space work. And we created personas for all those people that we then created uh, a, a list of tasks or activities that those people undertake. And then we mapped those activities into the ideal space for them to happen. The architects use that information to, to size the spaces appropriately. And then we looked at how digital could enhance the experience uh, and enhance the quality of experience those people would have delivering those tasks in those areas. And, and basically, our, our, our recently opened HQ has of the, of about 100 different technologies that we uh, Horizon scanned and looked at as options. We, we ended up adopting nearly 80 of them purely because we could associate them to real benefit, but not just benefit of revenue, not just benefit of efficiency, but benefit from sustainability, benefit from experience as well. Mm. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I love that. But you also said, and you alluded to something that it, it just tacks on a little bit to another passion project or another, you know, passion concept you have. So share with us what that is, because now I'm super curious. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm fascinated by post-COVID. Um, I think the world was disrupted significantly and digital played a significant part in being able to respond to that disruption. I think we were, we were disrupted on a very level playing field. Everyone was disrupted in the same way, uh, depending on the job and your, your, your job and whether it could be conducted from home or, or how, how, that, how that impact was felt. I think coming out of COVID into a new world, um, we, we bring with it that there's a new wave of disruption coming. Um, that's probably equally as impactful to businesses uh, as the COVID and the lockdown and everyone being at home. And it, it is this people have changed uh, in their uh, expectation of what they want from their job and from life. I think people in as much as there was the impact of isolation and other other things, people reduced the amount of travel, people reduced the amount of time they had to spend maybe away from home working it allowed them to take walks. It, it probably gave them a, a better sort of work-life balance um, and, and they're able to access leisure more. And I think as we come back to the office now, from a lot of clients and a lot of situations, I'm seeing this, this choice. Um, people want a choice. And I have things in my head like virtual first. Um, how, how do we now go into this new world and allow people to have the choice to be physically present, to be virtually present, to engage, to move the hours to suit uh, childcare, to, to be able to work things in with their everyday life. And I, I just feel digital and digital transformation is the key to being able to, to, to meet people's needs. Um, and it's not that difficult. The technology's there. 
but it's how we deploy it and it's how we utilize it and it's how we measure the benefits um, in, in, in a different way, um, looking at things through a different lens to, uh, to how we've looked at benefit before. And, and by taking that balanced approach, we can provide the human being, the, 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 the person, the choices that, that they should uh, have available to them um, to live their lives, uh, to do their work, and, and to enjoy their leisure and their personal time as well. I would love to d- d- delve into that so much further with you. There's a couple of things that you put like a balanced approach and this human centric and choice driven, but there is so much to it instead of just saying, you know, oh, we're all going virtual. And I'm so tired of these ridiculous statements. It's not possible. And just, you know, one key thing that constantly comes up for me and the refrain I keep repeating is that sounds great for a very seasoned professional, but for the new uh, student just coming out of university and landing that first job, if we don't figure out a virtual solution to how they get trained and how they actually start a career path that makes sense, they suffer. And so I think I, I, it's just driving me bonkers right now that people are like, oh, well, I can work from home. I'm like, okay, well, that's great for you. That works, you know, but you're not imparting knowledge unless we figure out a virtual way for you to impart that knowledge. And we are all going to have to work on this uh, much, much more um, holistically instead of making this grandiose statements like we're all going virtual. Nobody will be in an office. Everybody wants to work from home. Like this kind of stuff just, it just drives me crazy. So thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing with me that there has to be, we have to be intrigued and we have to look deeper and we have to, you know, say, yes, virtual can be first. We can be virtually led, but what does that really mean for the human? And, and where, where would that make the human really you know, shine? And where would that make the human suffer? Because we also know an awful lot about isolation. And you talk about the internet of things and digitization of different roles. And we know that people suffer also just on a human level um, when that happens and the kind of isolation that can happen with implementing uh, digital technology. So I just love that you brought that up. And definitely, Damien, you got to come on. We got to do a whole other show just about that. But um, this is Damien Clayton Bull. You can look him up online. I'm to spell that for you, D-A-M-I-A-N. His last name is Clayton Bull, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N hyphen B-U-L-L. So please connect with him on LinkedIn. But uh, Damien, why don't you kind of end us here with just a little bit how they would reach you for Arcadis and anything else you you want to mention just as a huge thank you for coming and and sharing your expertise and, and just being that totally approachable professional. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, yeah, feel free to contact me via LinkedIn. Um, and, yeah, from there, if there I can pass my details if I contact me at Arcadis. And if anyone is interested in, in that approach, the, the accelerated understanding, please reach out. It's an emerging capability. We've sort of tried it for the last two years, but very successfully we've had a lot. I've, I, I always say to clients, I've never, I've never not been surprised by what we've found, which is always a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. We're not about telling you what you already know. So far, it always has told us something that we didn't know or didn't understand and, mm-hmm. and led, to, led to change. So if, mm-hmm. if anyone's interested, yeah, absolutely. Please reach out to me. I love that. That's a lot of leaving our egos behind so that we can actually really lend our expertise to the problem at hand. So I really appreciate that. From all of us here at Little Bird Marketing and the Digital Transformation Success Podcast, have a great day and happy digital transformation.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.